0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, I'm Clay Wildman. I'm uh, one of the elders here at Christ Community Church, and based on my little drill there with you to get some excitement, I'm also the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade Sunday school teacher, uh, along with my wife Debbie. Which, of course, makes me the logical choice to teach about sexual intimacy this morning. Uh, <laughs> in in uh, when I first told Debbie I was doing this, she goes. You are doing this, huh? <laughs> all right. And, uh, and, and, and along that line, uh, she and I recently had an opportunity to take a trip, and we're, we're driving through Vermont on our way to Maine. A lot of windshield time driving along, and, and so she was trying to help me, you know, with prep and, and, and this, and she said, you know, I know you'll, you'll you know, kind of get the structure right and all that, but, but don't be boring, all right? Don't be boring. Rick is not boring, Rick, Rick's great, he tells stories, he relates it. Okay, great. Like about a few hours later, she goes, remember the story part? Don't you dare tell stories this morning. Uh, so, we're back to boring, and, uh, and so bear, bear with me on that, on that front. Uh, if you are with us uh, for the first time, uh, this, uh, this is part of a series about relationships and marriage. Uh, Called the grace of life. Uh, So this so this fits in last Sunday uh, Rick uh, was preaching on Conflict resolution. Okay, so this morning uh, We get to talk about gracious giving and and which is sexual intimacy uh, in marriage. I Will ask that you bear with me because this topic uh, I will tell you I was challenged in finding the right words Okay, I kept being reminded we're in church you watch the words we are using this morning, right? If this were at a men's conference, I really wouldn't be having a whole lot of anxiety about the words that I'm using, and, and it'd probably be just a, a little bit different. But bear with me. If we, if we get out of bounds a little bit, just show some grace in that, in that regard this morning, all right? Uh, we're going to try to get the points across, and, uh, and, but, but not get overtly graphic uh, where we don't need to be. All right, a uh, couple of thoughts. As we get into... Got to make sure I got a clicker here, that'd be helpful. All right, as we get into the, the, the discussion this morning, I do want to do a little bit of a prelude and look at, and look at two points, okay? And, and I want us to consider uh, a definition. So when we talk about sexual intimacy in marriage, what are we talking about, all right? So I want to look at a definition uh, and I want to take just a brief, a very brief detour and look at really what does the culture say about, about sex and marriage, okay? We live in a cultural context. Our, our sermon this morning is in a cultural context. We're gonna walk out, out the door and, uh, and we live in a, in, a, in a certain environment, okay? And certainly with what Taylor just read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, the, the first century Christians in Corinth lived in an environment as well. I would even tell you as we get further into this, they lived in an environment that was wilder than ours okay, and more debauched than ours. So, so, context is important as we think about the culture. But let's, let's look first at, the, uh, at, at a definition, okay? So, the definition that's on the screen, uh, this is my definition, all right? It is my clay's made-up definition of sexual intimacy in marriage, all right? And here it goes. Sexual intimacy is God's design, okay? not a cultural construct, not the social mores of our, of our age. Sexual intimacy in marriage is God's design for two things, for the exclusive husband and wife within the context of marriage only, okay? Not man and man, not woman and woman, husband and wife in the context of marriage. So exclusive, and, and by the way, one man, one woman in the context of marriage. For the exclusive and irreplaceable, there is nothing like sexual intimacy in marriage between a husband and wife on this planet. It's a fantastic thing, right? Exclusive and irreplaceable mental, emotional, and physical giving of ourselves. It's not just a physical act, okay? It's a whole person activity, okay? Mental, emotional, and physical giving of ourselves. It's not about what I get. It's about what I'm giving, Okay, Giving of ourselves to our spouse, again, in marriage, in a way that continually strengthens two things. The marriage covenant itself makes the marriage stronger, okay, and our relationship with Christ because sexual intimacy in marriage between a husband and wife mirrors uh, the intimacy that we see within, within the Godhead, and we'll talk a little bit about that. All right, here's the last part, and it's a lot of fun, all right? It's a lot of fun. And I put the it's a lot of fun in there because we got different types of people sitting in the room this morning. Some of us are uh, rule followers, okay? Clay's gonna give us a cookbook, we're gonna go home, and before we have sexual intimacy, we're gonna check these, check these boxes. That it doesn't sound like fun to me, all right? <laughs> uh, sexual intimacy can be spontaneous. So if you're the rule follower type this morning, and you're hearing, all right, now before we do this, we've got to do this, and we've got to do this, nix that, okay? It's a lot of fun. It can be spontaneous. Spontaneity is part of the deal, all right? It's part of the fun. Some of us are perfectionists. We always are striving to achieve, want to do better, do better, better. Sexual intimacy and in marriage can be a lot of fun. Think of roller coasters, okay? We don't have to ride the world's largest roller coaster every time, Okay? We can ride an old wooden roller coaster. Roller coasters are fun. Big roller coasters, little roller coasters. All right? If you're the perfectionist type, again, have fun. Okay? Whether it's a 100-foot drop or a 50-foot drop, have fun. All right. Just trying to get it out because I promise you some of us will go home with a checkbox and and subject our spouses to that. So don't, don't do that. All right. One other thing is a prelude. Culture. Well, the culture we live in. There are some big cultural trends here. Barna Research, uh, Barna Research did a survey of 1,000 uh, Americans, 1,000 adults, in 2015. I will tell you, our culture has shifted dramatically even since then. 2015 published a report in 2016. And, and there are really two big things that we saw. Number one, culturally, the, the acceleration of the delinking of sex and marriage. Okay? We live in a culture. And again, Barna research looked at Christians. They looked at people with no religious background. They looked at people with other religious backgrounds. Our culture, not a newsflash for anybody, is delinking sex and marriage. I can have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want, outside the context of marriage, and it's okay. It's all good, right? Con- 180 degrees away from what the Bible says is the purpose of marriage. Secondly, the Barna research showed. That the pervasive view, the prevalent view in the culture is that, is that really this is sex is all about my journey to self-fulfillment. It's all about me, okay? I'm going to be better. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be more valued. I'm going to have uh, status with somebody or some group of people or just status with myself, right? Okay, so two things. Delinking of marriage and sex. And secondly, this this concept of, oh, it's all about my self-fulfillment, all right, which really is a great uh, prelude to the big question that's on the table, and we'll come back to this at the end. Sexual intimacy in marriage, and sex in general, is it all about what I can get, is it about me, or is it about what I can give to my spouse, Okay. Is it all about what I can get from me, or is it about what I can give to my spouse? So, as we look at that topic this morning, we're going to look at four points. So, if you are taking notes, uh, we'll have a nice crisp outline for you. All right, so that'll satisfy your your checking the box and rule following, and uh, and so there'll be four points. Number one, uh, we're going to take a minute and look at the parallels between oneness and worship. There are parallels between the concept of oneness in Scripture and worship in Scripture and sexual intimacy in marriage. We're going to look at that. Secondly, I want us to embrace the the concept of the completeness of sexual intimacy in marriage. Again, it's not just a physical action. There's a whole lot more to it than that. All right, thirdly, life happens. At times in life, there are barriers, to sexual intimacy in marriage when those barriers show up we want to drive those out of our marriage okay we're gonna look at that and then finally again reality check sometimes sexual intimacy gets broken in marriage how do we fix it how do we restore it and and not an unintentional use of the word work there okay it's not wish that it gets restored it's not hope that it gets restored it is work to restore it when it gets broken. So, we just read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, okay? So, we just read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and you see this, this cultural context for, in which Paul is writing about sexual intimacy and in marriage. What's going on in Corinth, all right? If you, if you go back and read 1 Corinthians and you start picking up around chapter 5 or so, the church is kind of in a mess at this point. All right, you got professing believers in the church and you got some guys still going up to the temple there and having sex with whoever they want to have sex with whenever they want. Hey honey, I'm going to the temple. All right? And I'm going to have sex and I'm gonna come back home. All right? That's the context in which Paul is writing. All right? Meanwhile, the wife in that culture, all right? She's just kind of sitting there going, "Okay, see you later." All right? That, that's not going to fly, right? That's not good. That's the context in which, in which he's writing. And I'm going up in, you know, man and man, man woman and woman, man and woman, whatever. Anything, anything went in Corinth in the first century. And so, the, cultural, the culture was, was invading the church, all right? And Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, about the context for one man, one woman, exclusively in marriage, giving themselves to one another in a complementary way. This was a radical idea at that time, okay? Uh, Dave Harvey wrote a book that says, When Sinners Say I Do. So, if you've ever been married, that is two sinners getting married, right? All right, and he says, In a culture of polygamy, homosexuality, divorce on demand, over-the-top sexual indulgence, Paul placed sex under the gracious concern of a holy God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God is saying, hey, it's husband and wife, and it's only husband and wife, and it's about mutual giving of the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband, and yes, the wife has an equal voice and an equal expectation in this equation to the husband, and that was very dr- dramatically different from the culture. And then Paul went on to conclude in that passage that hey this sexual intimacy within the context of marriage it affects your relationship to Christ and when done well reduces the the, your temptations to sin and to be disconnected from your relationship with God that's a lot going on in five verses okay of first Corinthians chapter seven but that's the context so in this culture God kind of jumps in and says hey guys I got this gracious, grand design that I've created, and you need to enjoy it, all right? It's an awesome thing, and, it's, and it was countercultural at the time. Tim Keller, uh, he and his wife uh, Kathy wrote a book called The Meaning of Marriage, okay? And Keller commented on this. He said, Paul redefines marriage as, as a context for mutual satisfying of erotic desires, a contrast to the first century pagan culture, again. Mutual satisfying not just the guy calling all the shots the the wife in the equation had an equal expectation of satisfaction in This in this marriage construct, okay? This was a really different message from what was going on in the culture in Corinth in the first century all right so first point uh, that's, that's background. In the first point, I want to look at the parallels between oneness and worship. Okay? Oneness and worship. Oneness. So, as we, as we look at this concept of oneness in worship, you see the, the passage there in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your might. Verse 4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God, here you see God one, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one together, one together in, in, in their essence, but three distinct identities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct identities, three distinct roles within the Godhead, okay? We're going to see in a minute about, about glory and, and worship there, but I want you to think about oneness Okay, with, within the Godhead, within Trini- the Trinity itself. And then look at, look at this concept of man and woman in marriage. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 2, what does it say? Genesis chapter 2, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has made, has made created man, male, and then said, hey, we need a female to go with the male, okay, because the animals and the plants and none of those other things really, really fit. By the way, great backdrop here this morning to, to do Genesis, Genesis 2. Uh, so, but, but no, it's there, we're going to create one flesh in marriage. Just as in the Godhead we have oneness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in marriage God brings us together, man and woman, to be one. Do we lose our identities? No, we don't. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do not lose their unique identities within the Godhead by being one. Husband and wife, contrary to what some of the Barna research said about our culture's perception of oneness in marriage, which was, oh, I'm going to lose my identity, I'm going to lose myself, oh, that's, that sounds repressive, et cetera, okay? No, we don't lose our identity, but we come together in one in a, in a very similar way, in essence, but with two persons who are focused on the mutual glory of the other, okay? And focused on mutual glory and mission, okay? Mutual glory and mission. We see in John chapter 17, I'm not going to read this, this whole verse. This is, this is a verse, this is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he is to be crucified, Okay, and we see in this in this prayer that that the Father and the Son within the Trinity are focused on mutual glory for one another. Okay, we see glorify, glorify your Son. Okay, that your Son may glorify you. What is Jesus concerned about? Glorifying God the Father. The Father is concerned with glorifying the Son. Mutual glory. And mutual mission what was the mission the mission was for christ to play a role within the trinity to go and die as a sacrifice for our sin so that we could be reconciled to god mutual glory father i'm glorifying you father please glorify me And we are in mutual mission, and Jesus is saying, my role within our oneness within the mission is to go and die, and I'm happy to go and give of myself for our mutual mission, okay? Again, within husband and wife relationship, we both have roles, and those roles both are about mutual glory of of the other and mutual giving of ourselves for that common mission, which is the strong marriage, okay? and A witness to Christ in the world around us, okay? So, mutual glory and mission, and these are complementary roles, okay? Complementary roles within the Trinity, complementary roles within, within marriage between husband and wife. Now, I want to take just a quick moment and look at worship, okay? So, that's oneness. Now, let's look at worship, okay? And in worship, we also see a reflection of uh, of a picture in marriage. So, what is true worship? Again, these are, these are Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, the scariest verse in the entire Bible, in, in, for me anyway. And Jesus is saying, okay, to the, to the religious people, he's talking to religious folks who go to the temple, who go through religious acts every week. And he's saying, hey, you know what? He's saying, you, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Okay? And he says, Hey, we're doing all this stuff. You're going to tell me, Hey, I did, I did these things. I went to church every week. I gave the offering. I did this. I did this. I did this. And he's responding to a group of people who are saying, Hey, I'm going through the motions of religiosity. So you let me in heaven. And Jesus is saying, No, that's not how this heaven thing works. Okay? He's saying, Okay? But the one who does the will of my Father, the one whose mind is set upon, upon the will of God, the one whose heart is set on the will of God, the one who is devoted wholly to God, that's the one. Those are the people who are worshiping Jesus, he said in, in uh, John chapter 4, in spirit and in truth. Not just saying things, but, but, but being that, being those things. Okay? In spirit and in truth. All right, think about this. Jesus is saying that give-get relationship that you want out of religiosity, so you do these things and then you get to go to heaven, that's not flying. That's not how this works. What happens? What does that look like? That's false worship. He's saying false worship doesn't fly. Let's talk about that in marriage. In marriage. Okay, I'm going to do X and Y and I want sex all right, I'm going to do this and this because I really want to have sex tonight, so I'm going to do this and this, all right? Or I'm going to give you sex because I want this and that, okay? I want a new set of golf clubs, all right? I want a new whatever, you know, outfit, whatever that may be. That same disingenuous trade-off that Jesus is calling out in worship can very much invade a marriage relationship as well where jesus says hey that's not worship and i know it oftentimes our spouses say i know what you're doing you're making this a transaction a give and get transaction that ain't intimacy all right that's not working for me we are not having sexual intimacy we're having an economic uh, event at this point all right so jesus is saying hey in worship There's a difference between false worship and true worship in marriage. There's a difference between false intimacy and true true intimacy as well. All right, let's get into into now the second point, which is I want us to embrace the completeness of sexual intimacy in marriage, the completeness, all right? And I've got got six points I'm going to make on that because there's a lot to completeness on this subject. Number one. If we look at completeness, the completeness fact, and we look at Ephesians 5, all right? And in Ephesians 5, again, we see the two becoming one flesh. Again, repeating again Genesis 2 in Ephesians 5, all right? This concept of sexual intimacy in marriage, two people becoming one, emotionally, spiritually, physically becoming one, okay? This is God's design, all right? It's it's unique to the husband and wife, it's unique to the husband and wife in marriage. Anything outside of husband and wife in marriage, okay, is violating the will of God, okay? And it's, and it's for our own good that God has designed this fence around sexual intimacy, okay? It is to our harm and detriment when we go outside that fence, all right? God has given us that for our, for our good. Now, it's unique, obviously God's people we uh, were are kind of you know at times making a mess out of this so in leviticus you know when god is when when god has given to moses an expansion of the 10 commandments he starts getting real specific about things that don't fly things that violate this uniqueness okay uh, sexual relationships within within families does not fly okay brothers and sisters hey me and my dad's wife or you know, etc., or me and me and the farm animal. All right, which is in which is in Leviticus as well. There are all kinds of freaky ways that we can come up with to mess this up, but God has said, "Hey, I am. I have created this design for your good, for this amazing relationship to be complete and whole. But it is exclusive, and it is my design." Okay. Uh, secondly. Key point, it is God's provision to keep marriages strong. You saw that in 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to go into that a little bit later, uh, a little more detail later on. So, I'm not going to hit that uh, too hard right now. But it is also God's provision to keep marriages strong, keep us from temptation, and to keep that that marriage covenant bond strong. Okay? Thirdly, it's a whole person experience. Okay? We talk about the, the completeness of sexual intimacy in marriage. It's whole person. All right, Tim Keller said uh, again in, in his book, it is a whole person experience. Sex is for whole life self giving. Sexual intimacy in marriage does not begin at the bedroom door, it's during the week, it's during the day, it's while I'm at work, it's while my wife's at work. Okay, it is while we are doing dishes, it's while we're hustling kids. If we have kids, it's while we're working through all the issues of life. All that we do and all that we have to bring is, impacts this, the, the equation of sexual intimacy. Our whole relationship affects sexual intimacy. As we saw back in Deuteronomy, okay, how do we worship God? How did God say that, we should, that he should be worshipped? Heart, soul, and might. We relate that to sexual intimacy in marriage. Heart. Heart is not just, ooh, how I feel. It's also my intent. Okay? My intent. What is my intent towards my wife? Is it pure? Are my motives pure? Am I, am I focused on her glory and her needs and giving of myself to give her what she wants? Or is it about me? Okay? Is it, is it soul? Is it spirit? Am I afraid of sexual uh, am I afraid of emotional intimacy? Because it just takes too darn much work. Right? Emotional intimacy, sharing my day, sharing our what are we afraid about? What are we excited about in life? Etc. Being open. Okay, in Genesis it says the man and the woman were naked and they were unashamed. They were naked physically, but also spiritually, emotionally. Being open, if I'm not emotionally spiritually open okay in my relationship with my spouse and that's not always easy okay then we're not going to be complete in our sexual intimacy finally might okay you got a body right we got a body put it to work all right put it to work it is there for a reason all right again it should be fun our bodies are there okay we're going to talk in a little bit but spouse how would you like my body to be a part of this equation Here's how I would like your body to be a part of this equation. Talk it out. Okay? It is a complete experience as we look at sexual intimacy. Okay? Heart, soul, and might. My body and my everything. Everything I got, I'm gonna bring to this equation. Okay? Dave, uh, in, in the Song of Solomon, uh, just to go back, let's see if we go back. Where did I go back? In the Song of Solomon, okay, because some of you thought, we're going to teach sexual intimacy in marriage. He's going to bring Song of Solomon. Got a lot of racy stuff in there, and that's good. We're not doing that. But a couple of things in Song of Solomon. Number one, if you look at this emotional or spiritual component to sexual intimacy, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 7. Tell me, you whom my soul loves. This is not about physical right now. You whom my soul loves. I want to be with you. Okay? I don't just want something from you. I want to be with you. I'm thinking about you all the time. Okay? Yes, even when I'm at work, if I'm doing deals, if I'm digging a hole, I'm doing whatever I do at work, I'm, I'm still, you're still there. Okay? Song of Solomon chapter four, verse nine, you've captured my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captured my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. It's exciting. We're not talking about the act yet. We're talking about emotions and, and connection that lead up to the physical aspect of this, okay? But it is a complete relationship that we see here. The other thing that we see in, in uh in Song of Solomon, the majority of the descriptions that are kind of kinda on the edge, the fact is, uh we should probably edit the Southern Baptist part out. But uh anyway, the uh the fact is most of those are expressions of the female. Not the male, okay? Ladies, you got a role. It's a complementary relationship, male and female, okay? In this case, most importantly, uh, it's focused on someone else. Again, the completeness of sexual intimacy is focused on the other, the other person. If it's not focused on giving to our spouse, if somebody's not focused on giving somebody's getting used in that equation. If if somebody's not, if we're not focused on giving, somebody's getting used. That's what the world's view, self-fulfillment, right? That's the world view of sex, self-fulfillment. All right, so we look at this again. uh, When someone is intent, Dave Harvey says, someone's intent on getting their delight by being a delight, well, it just doesn't get much better than that. Again, the focus is on Giving. If I'm focused on giving delight to my spouse, it's probably going to be good. Probably going to be a fun day, right? Uh, if we look at Ephesians chapter five again, we see this construct in Scripture. What do we see? Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, give yourself up. That's another. That's another form of again thinking of the other. I've got mutual submission. I've got mutual giving. I've got all these things going on. In this giving and receiving relationship that create great sexual intimacy in our marriages. Okay? Now I I love the uh, I love some of the different translations around this. So if you look again back at 1 Corinthians 7, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, okay, and likewise the wife to her husband. Okay? Give wives, you have a right to expect that your husband is going to give something to you. Husbands, you have a right to expect that your wife is going to give something to you. All right? But I love these different translations. We see give. We see the word yield. What happens at a yield where we have a yield sign at, a, at an intersection? Oh, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Right? We, we see that here in marriage. What do you want? No, what do you want? No, what do you want? Okay, that creates a great intimate relationship. All right? The message, okay, says seek to satisfy. What is my goal in sexual intimacy in marriage? It's seeking to satisfy my spouse. That's my goal, seeking to satisfy my spouse. Not just physically, okay, not running a scorecard, you know, at the, at the end of the deal, uh, but, but the whole experience, okay, heart, mind, soul, spirit, body, the whole deal. I'm seeking to satisfy. Nazvi says, fulfill his or her duty. The 1599 Geneva Bible. Very, sounds good. Give unto. All right. I love the King James. Defraud ye not. Okay. That's exciting, isn't it? (laughs) All right. Honey, come on over here. So we'll defraud ye not. All right. Uh, But anyway, the point is think about fraud. All right? We don't want to bring fraudulent uh, aspects into our sexual intimacy, into our relationship with our wife. Okay, so these, and, and keep in mind that all of this again, completely complementary between the husband and the wife, and especially in the context of first-century Corinth, that was a big deal. All right, the fact that the wife had any kind of expectations at all was huge. Okay, in our culture, you know, the, the culture might say to our wives, men. You know what you shouldn't be submitting yourself to him and giving yourself to him because that's repressive that came out in the barna survey all right that's repressive that's unrealistic and you're you're selling your soul out men yeah you know what you really shouldn't expect that that you know it's all right to go get some thrills somewhere else here and there right that's all right because it's unrealistic to think that that dog's going to stay at home right all the time no that is not true so again god was speaking into first century corinth against that culture and he's speaking today with with this beautiful picture of intimacy and marriage against the culture we live in now sanity check 20 40 60 80. we have 20 year olds in the room we have 40 somethings in the room we have 60 somethings in the room we have 80 somethings in the room sexual intimacy in marriage is gonna is gonna be a journey It's going to be a journey at age in our 20s this may look like the olympic gymnastics tryouts all right i'm not 80 contrary to what some of you may think at this moment but uh but but that's probably going to look a little different but there's no provision in here that says okay sexual intimacy is completely ever out of the marriage relationship it's an active part of the marriage relationship there's got to be continued grace given to one another, continued discussion. Okay, things like menopause click in here. All right, at some point, uh, male and female versions, etc. There's all kinds of things that happen to our bodies, and as we're going to talk about in a minute, in our lives. Okay, all kinds of things that happen that that require us to come together regularly and talk about what this looks like. Okay. and and have an honest discussion with our spouse. What does this look like at 20? What does it look like at 40 and at 60 and at 80 throughout our lives? Okay, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful aspect of marriage that God has given us, okay? But it is going to require some discussion at different life stages. Now, kind of landing, getting the plane on the glide path here to land. Two things. Number one, barriers. Stuff is going to happen during the course of the marriage relationship that can create a barrier to sexual intimacy stuff gets in the way let's look at two categories of things that can get in the way dave harvey again in his book most sexual problems in marriage are rooted in the heart in our hearts okay what does that what does that mean that's a nice way of saying sin our sinfulness our spouse's sinfulness can get in the way of sexual intimacy. Okay? It's a nice little word cloud up here. Pick your favorite word. All right? We look at this sexual immorality. Clearly, if someone has sexually broken the marriage covenant, that's going to get in the way of sexual intimacy. If I have gone and had an affair with another woman, if my wife has gone and had an affair with another man or in our culture, all kinds of variations of that, that is going to create a barrier to sexual intimacy that's going to have to be worked through. All right? But there are other things that are, quote, not as bad, end quote. All right? Let's think about, for example, okay, you see drunkenness on there. All right, some of you who are country music fans who, who are older will remember Loretta Lynn. Okay, any hands that might remember? Okay, Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn wrote these songs that just got right to the point, right? One of which was, Don't Come Home A-Drinkin' With Lovin' On Your Mind, all right? Drunkenness, all right? I am liquored up. I would like to come home and have relationships, okay? The person on the receiving end of that is just getting used. There's no sexual intimacy there, all right? I'm just coming home to get what I want in that equation brawling, okay, brawling, all right, bitterness. Some of us are wearing our spouses out verbally, verbally. The words that come out of our mouths are just down, degrading, you know, our spouses. They're, they're, they're literally killing them with words, okay? Country music, songwriters are great theologians so vince gill uh vince gill wrote a song how can i kiss the lips at night that and i'm going to clean up the song title a bit that chew me out all day long all right if if one of you is just beating up the other one verbally all day long and then now it's bedtime we're not going to have sexual intimacy we may have a physical activity, but we're not going to have intimacy. Okay? Brawling, okay? Sexual immorality, greed, pride, not leaving father and mother. In Genesis, for those of you who are planning to get married, Genesis, man will leave father and mother. Oh, sorry, in Ephesians, man will leave father and mother, become one, right? Okay? Leave father and mother. Fathers and mothers can get in the way of sexual intimacy in a marriage. Okay, but they're still interfering. You know, or I'm still attached to somebody or whatever. That can get in the way too. All right. There's a lot of ways that our sinfulness or our wife's or our spouse's sinfulness can get in the way. Okay, and and those need to be dealt with. Now, let me talk to those of you who are not married. Okay, because you're thinking I got a hall pass on this whole sermon, right? If you are not married, and you look up here, and you look at sexual immorality, if you are engaged in sex with your potential spouse, your future spouse, if we're engaged in a sexual relationship before marriage, don't expect that there are not going to be consequences of that. We're operating outside that fence that God gave us for our own good within sexual intimacy. We're violating God's will and role for sex that he has created. Don't expect that I'm just going to go ahead and do this and then show up and the preacher is going to say some nice words and I'm going to get God's blessing and all is good. You're bringing bringing sin into that marriage relationship and there will be consequences of some kind that you're going to have to deal with for that. I don't know what those consequences are, but there will be. All right? Pornography. And I would say men, but I read a lot of, done a lot of research in the last few months, so women and men, if you are using pornography as a way not to be sexually intimate with your future wife before marriage, you are going to bring that into the marriage equation as well. You are compromising sexual intimacy within your marriage, your future marriage. One of our speakers at our men's conference last year talked about this, this issue, uh, I'm not going to call it an epidemic, but an issue with, with young men especially who are using pornography outside of marriage, or even within marriage, but outside of marriage, they get married and guess what? I'm not as thrilled about the actual thing as I was the video, all right? And young men not being able to fulfill their commitment to their wives because they got a problem. They have a physical problem because they're hooked on pornography and not the real relationship between husband and wife. If you are, if you are not married yet, this, this message applies to you as much as it does to any of us, okay? Goes against the culture, counter to our culture, not the message you're going to hear in the world, but, but it is consistent with Scripture. Now, Let's look at the second uh, type of barrier category of barrier that can get in the way of sexual intimacy, daily life. Not your sin, not your spouse's sin, just daily life, okay? I'm tired. We're broke, okay? We got a bunch of kids. They get up really early, and they're running around all day long, and we both have jobs maybe, et cetera, et cetera, and we're just exhausted, Okay? All kinds of stuff happens in life that creates, that creates pressures on a marriage and creates pressure on sexual intimacy, okay? However, we've got a plan around daily life to ensure that sexual intimacy within our marriage relationship stays a part of that. Why is that? Because as 1 Corinthians said, it 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 is for the good of our spouse. It keeps us away from sexual temptation, okay? The person at work that maybe I'm at work and I don't have kids yelling and screaming and that person's really nice to me and it's like, oh, I'm kind of getting something out of that relationship. Maybe it becomes physical, maybe it's just emotional, okay? But if it's emotional, I'm taking part of the intimacy that belongs to my wife or husband out of the equation, okay? Daily life, all right? What do I do, what do we need to do with these barriers, whether they're sin barriers or daily life barriers? i got to drive them out. i got to identify them, and i got to drive them out of my marriage. If I don't, they're just going to get bigger, and I'm going to wake up and realize that we have not been sexually intimate in the last year or two years or five years, okay? I have got, or five weeks, i got to drive those out of the marriage. Husbands, I'm going to put most of this monkey on your back. Okay, you are leading the household. All right, The monkey is now there. We've got to drive these things out. This may be the only sermon on sexual intimacy that uses Judges as a text. What's happening in Judges chapter 2? When God gave the, the promised land to the people of Israel, he said, there are some people sitting in these areas that I'm giving to the different tribes. You've got to drive them completely out of the land or they're going to cause problems for you drive them out, okay, move them out, kill them, displace them, do whatever you got to do because I'm giving this land to you for my purpose and as a gift to you. They didn't do it. These five tribes did not drive the people out of the areas that God had given them. What happened? Their children intermarried with pagans. Their children were, were, were pulled away from the faith. These people kept being a constant thorn in their side for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and ultimately were part of the destruction of the nation that God had given them. God had given them a gift. Here's a land. Marriage, here's a gift from God. You got marriage, okay? We got a barrier to sexual intimacy. We got a barrier to our marriage relationship overall. We got to drive it out. If it doesn't get driven out, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get bigger, and it's going to cause problems. And maybe it's not today. Maybe it shows up 10 years from now. Maybe it shows up 20 years from now. Okay? But if there's a barrier, if there's an elephant in that room, get on it. Men, I'm putting that one, putting that one in your court. Finally, sometimes sexual intimacy in marriage gets broken. Okay? What happens? We need to work to restore it. As I said earlier... I did not choose the phrase uh, wish that it gets restored or hope that it gets restored. We've got to get on it. Okay? We've got to get on it. We've got to work to restore it. Okay? And, and so, what does that look like? Here's a, here's a toolbox, if you will, for restoration. Okay? I've got redemption. I've got prayer. If you don't, if you don't see any other word, see prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. Okay? Patience. Repentance. Okay, selflessness. On the previous slide for sin, we had selfishness, selflessness. I'm going to have to give of myself probably to to restore this. Okay, let's take a look at what that looks like in real life. Hosea chapter 3. So Hosea, the prophet, weirdest job God ever gave anybody, go marry this lady, Gomer, okay, who uh, was going to be a prostitute, all right? you're thinking not a really great marriage choice gomer was a prostitute slept with all these other guys running around all over the place continually leaving hosea etc 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 her life just finally denigrates into a hot mess and she's on the block to be sold as a slave who buys gomer at auction she's naked she's standing on this podium probably as slaves were often done and being sold who redeems Gomer? Her husband. Hosea, the one whom she had offended for years and years and years and years, he paid the price of redemption. We sin against God year after year after year after year, day after day after day. Who paid the price for our salvation so we could be united with God? Christ. Jesus did for us. In marriage we see this here with with hosea so hosea goes and redeems gomer he pays the price if your spouse has offended against you sinned against you offended you sexually or otherwise the offended party at some level is going to have to redeem the, the the offender the offended is going to have to redeem the offender we have offended God with our sin. He paid the price to redeem us. The offended paid the price to redeem the offenders in salvation through Christ for us. You see Hosea doing the same thing here with his wife Gomer. Okay? It's a price to be paid, in this case with money, but also with, with his pride. Okay? Imagine his buddies, like, you did what? you went and bought her, all right? And then we see patience. What happens here at the end, okay? At the end, of, at the end of this passage, all right, Hosea brings her home and says, okay, you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave in the same way toward you. Hosea didn't say, hey, come right back, and then let's start, you know, engaging in a sexual relationship in our marriage. no. He said, Could you come back, and we're going to take a break from the actual physical part of this. Hosea is being patient. His focus is on her restoration first. Not, again, you know, I hadn't had sex in 50 years while you're out there running around, right? His focus is on her restoration. He is giving of, he's still giving of himself, okay, for her in this case. So, be ready to redeem your spouse in the course of your marriage, all right? An, an old friend of mine, uh, an elder in my church back in Tennessee years ago, they did a Q&A session for, for young couples, which, believe it or not, Debbie and I were a young couple at that time. And, and this guy, somebody said, well, I'm willing to go, you know, 50-50, meet my spouse halfway all the time in marriage. What if they're not doing their 50% share, all right? And Buddy Wittishin, this this big bear of a guy, kind of rears his head back and chuckles, and he said, baby girl, to the lady that asked the question, okay? Probably culturally inappropriate uh, label at this point, but uh, (laughs) baby girl, if you're willing to meet your spouse halfway, if that's what you're willing to do, your marriage is going to fail. You got to be prepared to go 100% at some point. At some point, your marriage may require you to do everything for a period of time, not forever, but for a period of time. We see that picture in, in, in Hosea. So we need to be ready. Uh, again, if we look back at restoration, we need to be ready to repent of our own sin. Okay. Little and big to be able to have intimacy in our marriage. We need to be ready to forgive and we need to be ready like Hosea to take a break. And, and 1 Corinthians 7, again, gives us a, a great picture of that. It's not take a break and go to, go to your mutual corners. It's not a boxing match. I'm going to my corner. You're going to your corner. We're going to, you know, get over there and take a break. And then we're going to come out and mix it up again. It's not that. Prayer. You're coming together to pray intentionally for a period of time, okay, before restoring. There have been two periods of time in my marriage where we have had to take a break and pray about things that did not involve sin. They involved, they involved external influences. Okay? For example, parents died, children died. Things happen in our lives that are tough, that are traumatic, they are really hard. And you just may not have any gas in the tank at certain points again you're not going to mutual corners you're coming again to pray the two most intimate periods of of our marriage from my point of view are those two periods where we did nothing but focused on prayer and restoring and healing and working to the healing of one another okay you got to be ready to take a break and pray it's not take a break and do nothing Just take a break and do something very important. Okay? Finally here, I want you to remember that that, that restoring sexual intimacy is a goal. Somebody hit that for me because this is not working now. No. There we go. All right. Do not deprive one another. Okay? Except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. That's what we're talking about. That you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again. That's the goal. What's the goal? Come together again. That's the goal. The goal is come together again. Why? That Satan may not tempt you. All right? If we don't come together again, one of us is going to get tempted to find something somewhere else. Okay? We have a mutual obligation to our spouse not to put them in that spot. Okay? And, okay, that you may not be tempted and that your self-control would not be tested. Uh, restoring sexual intimacy is a goal. If we think about those those sinful things up there earlier, okay? Whatever it is, the life things, we got to deal with it, right? And get this and get it restored. Restoration is more than great sex. When we look at restoration, again, it's more than just great physical sex. It's about our relationship with each other, making that strong in our marriage covenant. It's about my sanctification and my spouse's sanctification, okay? Are they growing in Christ? Are they growing closer with Christ? And our relationship with Christ is dependent, okay? If we're in a marriage relationship, it's dependent upon this this restoration. So God's design is that when there is brokenness, clearly recognizing that may happen when sexual intimacy gets broken, the goal is, is restoration. And the goal is restoration as quickly as possible. Okay? Maybe physical issues, maybe all kinds of issues that go with that. But the goal is restoration. So, in conclusion, sexual intimacy in marriage, is it all about what I can get or is it about what I can give to my spouse? Clearly, Scripture shows us that it is about giving. Okay? It is about giving. It is about oneness, not individualism. Okay? It's about being all in, about heart and and soul and mind and body, not just body. It's all in. So, what I want to ask you to do if you're married, I want to ask you today to talk and to pray. Talk to your spouse about challenges. What gets in the way of sexual intimacy within your marriage? All right? these conversations may be awkward, and hard. they may be like teenager going on first date awkward. All right? They could be really weird. What are your challenges? What are your preferences? What do you like? What do you want? What do you not want? Frequency. One of my good friends, uh, Mitch, Mitch, was telling me about a sermon that, where the person said, you know, well, I would like three times a week, and my spouse would like one time a week. Therefore, three plus one equals four. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. Uh, again, complimentary. Wife, husband, equal voice, okay, in this, in this conversation. But have the conversation. Don't sit there and stew over unmet expectations about frequency and just stew on it and get mad about it. Talk about it, right, and pray about it. What is, what is the right way to give this gift to our spouse uh, together. Again, sexual intimacy gives us this opportunity to be like Christ to our spouse. Christ gave of himself for our good, graciously giving of ourselves in in, in a sexually intimate relationship with our spouse, okay, is for their good and ultimately for God's glory in a a strong marriage, okay? Join me and pray. Thank you, God, uh, for your word. God, all we got to do is look at your text, and you have told us so much about uh, the beauty of this relationship that you have given us. It is unique to a husband and wife in marriage. Uh, It is uh, for mutual good. It is for mutual glorification. And God, ultimately, marriages that are focused on uh, doing life your way uh, are just a reflection of the beauty of uh, the sacrificial beauty of Christ. Uh, As you have given yourself up for us who are undeserving people so that we could be in relationship with you throughout all of eternity. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for your text uh, this morning to guide us. And I pray that you would uh, bless these conversations that are gonna happen uh, between husbands and wives. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.